Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. That's audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. Give it a try today. Welcome to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of me, Rick Lee James. I'm a recording artist, a singer, songwriter, an author, a worship leader, and an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene. The Voices in My Head podcast is your source for discussions on music, literature, movies, pop culture, theology, and more. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the latest episode of the Voices in My Head podcast. And don't forget to let the voices in your head be heard by following me on Twitter at Rick Lee James and sharing your thoughts about today's show. Welcome back to the Voices in My Head podcast. As always, I am your host, Rick Lee James, and I am on location here at Parnassus Bookstore in Nashville, Tennessee with three distinguished gentlemen. Uh, there is a book release that's happening today, September 19th, right? Okay, right. I, I didn't have that in my notes, but I should have. Uh, September 19th today, it's a book called Winds of Heaven, Stuff of Earth. It's written by Andrew Greer and Randy Cox. And today on the podcast, we have Andrew Greer with us, we have Randy Cox with us, and we have Rich Mullins' brother, David Mullins, here with us today. So it's great to have all of you here with us today to talk about some significant things. And Randy Cox's daughter just walked in, so welcome. Glad to have you here with us today. We are just getting started in this conversation. Um, I just finished reading the book this morning, and I was I was kind of cramming it to get in, you know. But it's a really good book, and I really liked it a lot. I was moved by a lot of it. Um, there's a story that I want to start with that's in the book that that you share. And as I ask questions, we're going to be passing these microphones around so we can answer things. But the story that probably moved me more than any other was a story by Lowell Alexander in the book when he talks about driving in a truck with Rich Mullins and they're on their way to a concert and somebody just about runs them off the road and just sideswipes them. And as most of us probably would, uh, Rich reacts poorly <laughs> and he starts kind of mocking the driver. And um, and then in that moment, yeah, yeah, he's doing the, you know, because the driver had a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. And so Rich kind of starts mockingly acting like he's smoking a cigarette. And um, as they're driving, Rich says, that was Jesus. And, and Lowell says that he got so sad as if that was Jesus and I failed, you know, in my reaction to him. And I thought the more that I read about Rich, I think that maybe is a pretty good summary of uh, just maybe who he was in some ways. And so I really appreciated that being in the book because um, as we know, he was a person of extremes, but he was a person that uh, was not flawless, but I think he was a person who was also characterized by a quick repentance too. And so uh, I'm so glad to have all of you here to talk about Rich Mullins today. Uh, it's a bittersweet day because today is 20 years since he tragically died and was taken from us to be with Jesus. 
And the reason that uh, that all of us are here today is because of this Winds of Heaven, Stuff of Earth book. So many great things. Uh, I'm going to let the guys here introduce themselves to you and tell you a little bit. Uh, I'm going to start with Andrew Greer, who really is the main author of this book and has put a lot together. But Andrew, tell listeners a little bit about yourself. All right. I... Uh... I'm Andrew Greer. We got off that subject of the Lowell story. I'm so sorry. I'm I so thought sorry. maybe we could do that. Yeah, first, go ahead. Go ahead. Of that, but uh, I, then we can introduce ourselves, which is fairly unmotivating. But uh, <laughs> I think you know, you talk about that real life, the like living conflict between. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about this last night. What I wanted to bring up is there was a question last night that we did. Someone said, uh, "Do you know?" And we directed it towards David. Do you know? what Rich's state of mind was like in, in the, towards the end of his life. And David, I kind of want you to re-answer that in response to this, if you will, because I think it uh, perfectly examples, uh, which if we're being honest with ourselves, we're all living within a great tension between the constrictions of our humanity and the eternal mindset of our heart. You mm-hmm. know? And so I think in that story that Lowell shares, there's a lot of expression of that because our, I think my immediate reaction I'll speak for myself is from the confines of me right. but my intended you know desire my intentions my want uh, and how I express myself to others and how I want God to express himself through me would be from the eternal mindset but maybe if you kind of went off that you know prompt from last night it might be interesting just as far as talking about Rich himself yeah so yeah, um, the the question last night, yeah, was uh, what was his mindset? Um, and you know, I, I, no one knows. Uh, but uh, the thing that that struck me was over the last few months of his life, there were a lot of things that um, he, I think he knew he was in a transition, mm-hmm. but but he didn't know to what. Uh, he had been living on the res. Uh, on the Navajo Reservation um, about the last three years and was developing a plan for a ministry he wanted to do. And uh, I don't know, the summer before the accident, somewhere along the way, I believe, he was talking to one of the kid brothers, Eric Houck, and, hmm. and, and told Eric, he said, you know, I really want to do this. I want to see it done. But I, I, I know I'm not the guy who's going to do it. Hmm. And was asking Eric if, if he would take on the, the native ministry thing. Um, his last time to be at my mom's house. Uh, uh, as he was leaving, he said something about, well, I guess I'd better get home. And, and she was like, well, where is home? And he, she said he just kind of stared off for, for a little bit and then said, I don't, I don't know. Hmm. But, uh, and there's just a number of things that, that uh, some of his good friends uh, that he would meet with they, they, from his time in Cincinnati college days. Uh, um, they said he always was looking down the road and knew what was out there. And the, the last times that he talked with most of them, he was like, "Sure, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't have any." And I think his calendar was empty huh. uh, shortly, coming real quickly. Wow. Uh, and, and so, uh, yeah, yeah. I think he was. I think he definitely knew. It seems that what had been wasn't going to continue. Yeah. Uh, but where it was headed, he, he didn't really know. So. Interesting, man. That's, that's real interesting. Uh, why don't you guys share that, Mike and Randy, and I will share this one. Um, well, that's a, a great story and great to hear. Um, and 
you know, you you know Rich better than any of us, I'm sure. He was in your family, so I'm I'm thrilled to have you to get to share some things with us today. Um, and Andrew, why, why don't you quickly introduce yourself because you're the author of this book, and we'll go around. Um, but you've done a great job of compiling this book. Um, it's it's not quite a biography, and it's not really quite a memoir, and it's not just reflections, but it's a little more than that even. You know? Sure, so yeah. you've done a great job with it. So Thanks. Tell us. And Randy, you can piggyback off this. I, uh, you know, Randy can speak a lot about the genesis, you know, of how the book came to be, and uh, was definitely you, you, Randy, were the motivation for the even that it's here and tangible, you know, that that's due to you. Um, as... Um, in writing the book and in compiling a lot of contributors, I think exactly what you expressed, what I had noticed, because what you wonder after someone has been gone from this life for 20 years is there's always a diminishing audience. It doesn't matter who that person is. It doesn't matter how rich that legacy is. So who is audience? Who would potentially uh, still be compelled by these conversations or would be compelled, would be able to get into the conversation and yeah. be compelled forward? And what, since I was in junior high when uh, Rich died, you know, I'm one of those people who never met Rich, uh, was in maybe the same company as far as being in the audience in a show, mm -hmm. and definitely in the company of his music through recorded um, products, but not ever shoulder to shoulder. And there's so many of us nowadays, some who are songwriters, some who are authors, some who are artists with their own significant platforms like Rich, uh, whose influence of his life and lyrics have continued to live through him. So more than a biography, something that I think has been done very well in the past, especially a devotional biography, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, have been well consumed and well received, and so on every front has been done well. Instead of replicating that, okay, what are the conversations that, as I began to talk with others about their experience with Rich, some who did live alongside of them, like mm -hmm. David and some other musicians, uh, and friends, and then people who were just influenced by him, what were the conversations that he was beginning during his lifetime? And as I began to look into those conversations, there were three main ones I felt that came out, and one was this idea of inclusivity uh, from a, a more, a broader perspective than what we kind of have termed it with today, in the sense of everyone, you know, the communion table has been set Mm -hmm. by Jesus we're all invited to it yeah. and then relationship versus religion so meaning you know having a dialogue rather than like dialogue being more important than doctrine yeah. you know what I mean yeah. and, and a face to face relationship being the key at least how Jesus exampled God through his life mm -hmm. right and then what I think Rich seemed to be compelled by at least in his better moments in his life and then what I felt like David was what I felt like I was sensing was kind of this almost obsession with if, if not death and something of an eternal perspective mm -hmm. and that kind of trajectory that seemed to be unstoppable and I think we talked about this last night and Randy you could confirm this but there were people who had lived alongside him that when he died it's a, there was sadness there was grief there was a, a gap of rich gone in their lives but there wasn't necessarily always a shock that he had one died young, and two that he had died in, in the fashion they had it. So I think that's interesting to talk about as kind of urge towards eternal things, but again being settled here. So then the contributors uh, were a lot of people who are newer generation uh, people that have been influenced by him. To, 
our idea was to continue the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm putting to and, you. Yeah, and, and, and sorry, let me borrow this just a second. And Randy, if you could tell us, because you were the, sorry, we're borrowing, we're swapping mics back and forth. If you could tell us, sort of, because you were, you were Rich's first publisher, and you were the one that brought this book idea about in the first place, kind of tell us the genesis of all of this and how this book idea got started for you. Um, I guess in a way it goes back to the 80s when I signed Rich to his first publishing deal and we we worked through song ideas together uh, in my office and uh, he scared all the secretaries away because he always played fortissimo in every idea that he ever played in, <laughs> leg crossed. But um, initially when, we, when, we, when I first came to Worthy Publishing, I personally represent 11 songs that were completed that left that Rich left uncompleted mm-hmm. and Lowell Alexander and Phil Nash um, finished those songs and Lowell it's interesting because Lowell Alexander is, is known in Christian music industry as a, as a, a phenomenal songwriter but he's never been an artist um, and that's why a lot of people don't know his name, and, and they, yet they would know his songs. Um, but Rich actually brought Lowell to me. They met at a at a concert in in Georgia, and um, he invited uh, Lowell to come up. And then he ended up living in the at the cabin uh, with Rich. And so that's why we've got some of these great stories behind the scenes. But the eleven songs that I represent that were completed. Uh, in the last few years, there were there were several. In fact, uh, Andrew, I think I think there were four that you chose right. to be the kind of um, the impetus for each focus, mm-hmm. a chapter focus or chapters focused on uh, things like Love Alone, mm-hmm. Thunder, um, the Joy of Jesus, um, and it was the song, it was the lyric that propelled me to go to uh, Worthy Books because as I, as I stepped back away from the demos and hearing Rich sing part of the song and then hearing the demos, I started looking at the lyric sheets and it just reminded me that he is one of the greatest poets of our generation. Yeah. And I had the good fortune of helping him learn the craft of writing. And I say that with all humility, but he said it, so I guess I can say it. Um, but it's basically based on the, the pilgrim poet that he was to me. Even in the 80s, he was still a pilgrim. He was searching, he was looking, but he was digging deep. And, and when you dig deep, you get poetic lyrics and you get great music that lasts much longer than any of us do, mm-hmm. and he as he has. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let me borrow this mic back again. And by the way, listeners, you hear some noise in the background. There's some kind of truck spraying something on the ground. So it, that's what the noise is in the background. If you're wondering today, we are interactive. That's listening. right. It's interactive <laughs> listening here in the bookstore. Uh, it sounds like thunder. You know, you just mentioned that song. Oh. So there you go. Um, <laughs> um, I, I want to ask you a question, Randy, before we go too. 
far into this because you might be able to answer this better having been a publisher that's been working with artists and songwriters for close to 40 years now. Um, what's 14, be sure and pronounce four, four, it. 14, <laughs> not 14, but 14. 14 um, plus. 14 plus, that's right. <laughs> um, what do you, in your opinion, what sets Rich apart from other artists that you maybe have worked with? Or just, just maybe even artists you haven't worked with. What do you think that to you sets him apart? And then I'd also like to know what impact he had on you personally because you were friends with him. <laughs> The impact he had on me personally is is every time I listen to one of his songs, I have I have several of his CDs in my car. That um, in fact, I'm going out of town this weekend. And I'll be driving two and a half hours. I will be listening to Rich Mullins' songs for two and a half hours, and then I'll on the way back I'll put in some more music of Rich Mullins and. So I'd say from the time I met him, as quirky as he was, he was a hard worker, and he was a dreamer, and he was a he was searching for the great ways to portray his heart mm. for the gospel. Mm. And um, I think the lasting value is just is the fact that the songs set him apart. From others, Keith Green was was an you know unusual in that kind of respect, a West Coast guy, but Rich, being a Midwest guy, um, was the first one to come along in a long time and become this singer songwriter poet, and he's the finest poet that I have ever worked with, hmm. and the second best is Lowell Alexander. Hmm. And so the connection there is does not fall on deaf ears, um, and I think that was a real God thing that Lowell was willing to come up here and move and live in a cabin that I think they rarely used heat out there in the winter, um, and in the summer I don't even want to know. Uh, but but it's it's that long longevity of the the lyric, and I'm very lyric oriented. I think that's what I work with when the songwriters that I work with are my uh, song consulting business. Mm -hmm. I start with the lyric, and when we get the lyric right, then we form the music around that lyric because it paints pictures, and then the music paints pictures, and then they're both together as one. Yeah, well... That's a great answer. You, you want love, to take a stab at that as well? No, I'd love to ask a question if no, I can. No, please. Uh, of David yeah. about, I was hearing Randy talk about how Rich has impacted him. I think one of still the most interesting things to me is because I think all of us have a similar connection of how Rich impacted mm-hmm. us because it was from a distance, a lot of us. I was going to ask that same yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, then you I'm ask great. it. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, we're on the same. That's all right. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, yeah, that's, that's the question. The impact on your life as someone closer to him than anyone else in this room, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, being my big brother, uh, he uh, had what I can only assume is a typical big brother impact. (laughs) uh, I was telling somebody, uh, they were asking me a little bit ago about a story when he was, you know, he was in high school and I'm in kindergarten. When he'd get home from school, 
he came off the bus and come in the house and fix three bowls of ice cream, one for him, one for my brother Lloyd, and one for <laughs> wow. me. And uh, then he'd go, okay, let's race and see who can eat it the fastest. And then he would wolf his down, and then he'd tell me, Lloyd's beating you. Do you want me to help you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to lose. And then he'd help Lloyd. And so he would eat about two out of three bowls. And, uh, I can remember him chasing us with a pitchfork. Uh, through the barn and different things like that, but um, he, for me, I, I would say apart from my parents, he probably impacted my view of life, my faith, um, my understanding of what it means to be in the ministry, um, a, a lot of my understanding of who God is, and uh, it, through Him. So, and you know, uh, his music was was a key part of that. Um, Somebody asked me if I listened to it, and I'm like, yeah, it, it was kind of the soundtrack of my life. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so yeah, I, I, I can say I, I don't know too many aspects of life that he didn't influence. So. That's great. What wonderful answer. I'm, I'm so glad we have your perspective on it today because uh, most of us, pe- people like me and Andrew, who never got to interact or, or meet with him, we, we know this music, and, and there's almost a sense in which which um, we can almost think of of uh, the music as the person, and and yet we know there's uh, uh, especially from reading this book, there's so many facets to him, and uh, and it wasn't that he was a flawless person, but I think one thing that makes him unique, and I and I see it again and again through the different people who wrote about him, whether it's Amy Grant or you know Andrew Peterson, people who knew him, people who didn't know him, people who met him along the way. They share about um, not that he was flawless, but that he was so open about his flaws, and that can make people at, at once love it and at the same time be nervous, like about that. Why, why do you think that is that we react that way with someone is that open about their flaws? Well, I would say even and David, you can correct me, but I would say even more than open about his flaws. I, I think it goes even deeper. There's a certain element of exhibitionism, and especially in our culture today, <coughs> with social media, where you can tell the details of, of your story, but you may actually not even know your own story. Mm. Um, the idea of, of the work that is required through our flaws, you know, to actually go deeper, delve deeper, why do I do what I do, yeah. not just what do I do. And so I think what I experienced with Richard, I think this is what you're alluding to as well from stage, etc., was he got to more of asking why do I do what I do I don't know that I know many details even as I was thinking about the book you know I kind of like salacious things so I was hoping you know like I could I could be the first bearer of some unknown truth or whatever I don't know but uh, you can scrap that but the, the but the idea that it still that was is what's so relatable right is not just to be vulnerable for the sake of vulnerability but where does vulnerability move us into where does transparency transparency move us into and hopefully it's moving us into closer and closer to some sort of Christ likeness you know is what I keep thinking and I feel like we were talking about this today on Moody it's like the idea that uh, his platform he, he played a clip of Chris Fabry to Studio B an introduction where he, where Rich was like I don't even know why you listen to Christian music, you know, or something to a bunch of Christian music fans. And he said, he was talking about how people can recite more of his lyrics, or it's troubling if you can recite more of my lyrics than you can the Psalms or the Scriptures. Or, and I think the idea was not that there wasn't some impartation in these lyrics that could 
compel us towards God, but it was that it should compel us towards God. Mm. And so what I feel like with Rich's vulnerability was a movement through not stopping with risk, not here's the details of my story, so now there's almost some kind of glorification in here's all my crap, you know, but instead here's the the story of redemption that actually, you know, is is a turning that. Yeah. Oh, sorry, please take note. I don't know, I may be be stepping out on a limb, but when you guys were talking just now, and I see the redemption story carried on his back as if he were carrying a cross. And it was his choice. And it was his choice to be who he was, though he fought against it. It's this image of carrying what burdens you have in life and how you're made and what our flaws are and yet still walking that road to Calvary, walking that road to the end, to, to our, our great rising to, to our end and glory. And I, I saw Rich, um, especially in the beginning, because that's my, that's my point of view, when he was younger and really, really um, kind of beating himself up, uh, even when we would listen to songs together, um, you know, but he was receptive, so I was, it was just this other side of him. And, okay, which cross, are you carrying the cross of daily life, or are you carrying the cross because you feel like you could take it instead of Christ carrying it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Follow that, right? Yeah. Uh, or don't. Or don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I do think... Um, last night someone asked the, the question of what was a common misconception of him. And, and one thing I think is... I think people had the conception that he was really, really transparent all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I know I heard an interview with him where he's like oh no if I really told you what was going through my mind no one would listen to me yeah and so I I think he had an ability to share the struggle and repentance and the love of God in a general sense that made people be able to identify with the struggle and the hope Mm -hmm. Uh, and and I, I, I see other people who seem to be able to do one or the other of those Mm. really identify the struggle Mm -hmm. in a way that people can identify with it and get it and recognize it or hope Mm -hmm. but I don't see a ton of people that seem to be able to walk in the middle of that really well that um, at least that's what he did for me like like I was able to see the struggles and and I don't know what all of them were for sure I don't want to know don't need to know Uh, but but it, something in him never left me going, oh, well, he just struggles. Yeah. It was always, no, there's the love of God and the hope that's there. So. Yeah. I, you know, it, his relationship with God was obviously a huge part of who he was, and it, it came through in his music. It came through when, in, in these clips that I get to hear from him on stage. But something I've been thinking about, too, is, is just 
not only the spiritual side of Rich, but his impact on music as a whole. And one of my friends, Matt Litton, um, said to me the other day, he said, you know, what Bob Dylan is to secular music, Rich Mullins is to Christian music. You know, when, when you think about it, I thought, that's a pretty good thing. And I told you that beforehand, and you said, yeah, but Rich is a better poet, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> than Bob. <laughs> and, uh, but I do, I think there's, there's a lot of truth in that. And I, so I'm, I was thinking the other day, too, about, like, different um, culture, cultural touchstones that makes my life different from uh, maybe my parents or anything else. Things that, like, my parents didn't have growing up that I did. And one thing I thought about was, like, um, my parents grew up in a world where there wasn't Star Wars. I can't imagine that, you know? I grew up in that world that wasn't Star Wars. <laughs> I, and I was trying to think of, like, musically, your world that's, that's different. And, and Randy... This asks you a lot to think about, but how different do you think, like your trajectory as a publisher would have been if there had not been Rich Mullins, you know, his music coming to you at some point? Do you do you think the the road would look different in some ways? I mean, because I at this point can't even imagine right now like thinking of Christian music without Rich Mullins being there. You know, it's, it's just always something that's on there. Do you have any thoughts about that? And, yeah. Or I know you're looking for something in the book. Well, that's yeah. okay. I was looking for a, I was looking for Love Alone. You know, yeah. just, we'll find it. We'll find it for you. Find it for me. Um, <laughs> I think people are still discovering Rich. And I think this anniversary is bringing to the forefront once again what a lot of people and maybe even a generation missed and for me my signing Michael W. Smith and publishing most of the Amy Grant recordings as, as, as the publisher of the songs and many many others there's no one I've ever encountered like Ridge and there's no one that I would rather celebrate sitting at this table than Rich Mullins. Hmm. Uh, Michael W. has gone on to have a 40-year career, which is an amazing accomplishment. It just mm-hmm. does not happen in Christian music. But Rich, Rich will have a lifetime of memories and new discoveries of his music that will, will continue to change future generations. Hmm. And this year is calling attention to some of those songs, maybe the lesser known ones, the, the ones that didn't really get the church, uh, you know, the church singing them. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody knows Awesome God, and then a lot of people don't know The Color Green, and, um, uh, you know, or Creed, or whatever else it might be. But they're discovering it. Yeah. And it will continue. Hmm. When you said, you know, that y'all were talking about how. Yeah, except he's a better poet than yeah. Bob Dylan. And I would even say a more focused poet. Oh. Um, because I think, you know, in lyrical content, and Randy in his years of experience knows this, but with a, with a spiritual focus, like I think when music is happening, whether that's in a live setting or we're listening to it through recorded, you know, consuming it through a recorded manner, that... I think for some reason music has just been infused with God or God has infused music with himself. Yeah. Why that medium? Why music? I'm not sure of all that. That's a bit mysterious. So even then when we're at a huge concert, it could be at some arena concert of whoever, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and we're singing the, the 
lyrics and the songs or just experiencing the music and taking it in, I think there's an element of worship there. Now maybe it's unfocused, but it's there. And so what I would say with lyrics like Riches, uh, from a poetic standpoint, that, that there's a focused poetry there, mm-hmm. which is what David was talking about. And Randy, we've all been talking about how there's that focus and line of it's taking us somewhere to, you know, there's something to listen for, not just to, mm-hmm. in my mind. That's, yeah, that's great a different point. You know. yeah. Though I love Bob Dylan. Well, I, yeah, I do too. Yeah, in I, case he's listening. Right. <laughs> yeah. He listens all the time. He, yeah, it's, uh, that's funny. Uh, Bob Dylan, if you are listening, you're welcome on the show anytime. We're, we're really that's glad right. to have we'll you. We'll take on unfocused voices poets. On. That's right. Unfocused but poets. We'll but we're play. only going to play Rich Mullen songs. That's right. That would be the album we we, we would love to see. Bob Dylan plays Rich Mullen. So we'll Whoa. That. So maybe from from his saved period. You know, from his saved day. period. That's right. Yes. So. Well, you can tell from the Jesus record demos that he was listening to Bob Dylan a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At that point, because you can hear the, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's, that's right. a lot of, so. yeah, that's oh, man. Well, this has been a rich conversation. Uh, no, I didn't even mean that to be a pun. I did not mean that to be a pun. No pun intended. Came out that way. Um, I'd love to to just sort of, and I know Randy, you want to share the lyrics of "Love Alone" here, but I want to ask sort of a general question to all of you. Um, how do you think that readers will be affected? by spending more time learning about Rich in the pages of this book. I, I'd really like to hear your thoughts on that. Who knows, you know, in, in total, but the hope, I think, is that uh, there will be an open-mindedness and an open-heartedness, uh, you know, an expansion of that in the reader. I certainly think that as I get older, there's a continuing of that for me, that hopefully my mind is continuing to open, mm-hmm. my heart's continuing to open, and somehow that's uh, a better, more accurate, however you want to say it, reflection of who God is and his character. That somehow I'm more reflecting his character rather than mine. And I would say this, you know, even when delving into this book, that even this past year has been a part of some of that evolution for me, mm. you know, in, in helping some of the conversations I feel like have been stirring in me a lot, especially culturally speaking, that I've felt kind of shut down sometimes by my evangelical neighbors mm-hmm. and sometimes by my very non-evangelical neighbors. I feel there's this very, this, you know, um, polarizing um, force in our conversation or lack of conversation, mm-hmm. but that the the center is that to be heard and to listen. And, and so I would hope that people would be inspired by Rich's the, the prompts that we receive from Rich, that would then prompt them to listen and to, and to be heard, to, to yeah. dialogue, you know. Sure. Randy, you want to go next? What do you want me to do? Uh, just answer the question. Talk, yeah, answer our question just about what, why you think readers will be affected, uh, or how you think readers will be affected by spending time learning more about Rich through these books. Well, in a way, I could I could probably compare a lot of a lot of the subject matter with the songs, um, the the hurting, the the needs, the the um, the wonderful things God does. The songs are full of of agony and ecstasy and and real life experience. 
And I think a lot of Rich's songs somehow relate the Psalms to me in ways that I don't... I think people people could listen to Rich's lyrics and get more from the lyric than they could from reading a few Psalms. Mm. Uh, it's just because his lyrics are so succinct and the poetry is so refined. Um, and then you add the musical, musical component. Um, it's, it's forever. Mm. I, I'm a fan, I guess. Uh, I've always been a rich fan. Yeah. I've always felt like he was one of the one of the one of my proudest moments was to be able to spend time with him and, and working with him on, on songs. Hmm. Yeah. Great. Do you have any answers to that question, David? Yeah, I think uh, a little bit like uh, Andrew said. Um, well, for instance, for me, I, I, there's a group of guys that I meet with like every other week, and we typically are reading something and and discussing what we've been reading. Uh, and so I, I, I think my hope for the book would be that it would stir thought and a turning towards God more uh, in, in people and then, and then great conversations. Yeah. Uh, that, it doesn't, that it doesn't stop. That it's, oh wait, what did you get from that? Oh, what, what did God stir there? Um, and just how the Spirit continues to move in from one person to the next and, and uh, so that would be my hope yeah oh, awesome that's that's a wonderful hope to have well Randy I think as we close our conversation out today and we start to wrap it up you've got the lyrics to love alone and one thing I'm excited about with this book is that we're getting to hear some songs that we didn't even know were out there by Rich Mullins to some extent uh, I'm going to be recording one in November that I'm real excited about you've got other artists in line that are going to be recording some songs and um, I, I'm excited to, to let the world hear some of these things, and, and there's there's a beautiful poetry to them. Would you want to close out our, our time today by reading the the words to, to Love Alone? I, I think you have it there open in the book. And I just want to make um, a push to everyone who's listening today, just before we do that, uh, to pick up a copy of uh, Wind's... Wind's Winds of Heaven, Stuff of Earth. I left my mind for just a second. Winds of Heaven, Stuff of Earth. Uh, the author, Andrew Greer and Randy Cox. And it is a really great read. I, I finished it this morning, and I'm going to go back to it again and again just for some of the great stories that are there. Um, so if you wouldn't mind, maybe close us out today just by kind of uh, reading those words if you would like. And you can even reflect why they mean so much to you if you'd like. They, this, uh, of course, I listen to the music, and you, you won't be able to hear that, but the, the music is just such a companion to the, to the text, to the lyric. Uh, this is called Love Alone. The song was broken on the silence. The day fell deep into the shadows. Torn from his heart, the music echoed, I love you. Prayer went out and then the candle. The grave was sealed, the promise sleeping, and through the dark the quiet whispered, I love you. And broader still than time and space is love alone through heaven's grace, one sacrifice for every life, our sin atoned by love alone. The stone was moved and eyes were opened, 
and joy came walking from the sadness. Now in our hearts, still his voice lingers, I love you. And then the chorus again. And broader still than time and space is love alone through heaven's grace. One sacrifice for every life, our sin atoned by love alone. Well, I think that's a beautiful way to close out this conversation today. So as I say to all my guests every week on Voices in My Head, Randy Cox, David Mullins, Andrew Greer, thank you for being the Voices in My Head this week. Thank you for joining me here this week on the Voices in My Head podcast. I hope you'll visit me on my website at rickleyjames.com, follow me on Twitter at rickleyjames, like my artist page on Facebook at facebook.com slash rickleyjames, and keep up to date on what I'm writing at my author page on amazon.com. Make sure to follow my calendar on the website, and if you would like to have me come to your town to do a concert, a speaking engagement, or a book event, you can book me through my website by clicking on the link for Pair Booking Agency. That's P-A-R-E Booking. And finally, it would mean the world to me if you were to leave me a review of this podcast on iTunes. The more positive reviews that we receive, the more visible this podcast is on the internet. And now the benediction. May the God of peace, who raised Christ from the dead, strengthen your inner being for every good work. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest upon you and dwell within you this day and forevermore. Amen.